We will control the horizontal. We will control the vertical. Just one more thing. Hey now. Oh boy. Holy mechanical armies. Mom always liked you best. Oh, she did. <laughs> you wanted to be one word. What is the other word? One of these days. Are we having fun yet? It's going to be legend. Wait for it. Now, you might very well think that, but of course I couldn't possibly comment. Bertie Helens agreed. Oh, come on! Missed it by that much. Good evening. Hello, and welcome to the Televerse, Sound on Sites TV podcast. This is Kate Kalsik, and I'm joined as ever by Simon Howell. Simon, how's it going? I am not getting enough sleep, but what new? <laughs> Otherwise, things are, uh, it could be worse, as you always say. They they could be worse. They um they've been simpler, but they could be worse. Well, I'll take it. I managed to not get completely burned uh, at my my family vacation at the beach. So I, as far as I'm concerned, things are going good for me. Excellent. Yes. Um, I still need to go to the beach. There are beaches here. They're a couple hours away though. Uh, walking. I mean, I don't drive anywhere. I don't. Uh, believe in me driving it's, wouldn't be a good move yeah i'm not a beach person uh i went swimming in the ocean once and the ocean won and it wasn't fun so i got out of there and went back to playing board games and watching doctor who with my cousins and then that's it was like good. your entire origin story in a sentence yeah pretty much I tried swimming it didn't work they were board games <laughs> Pretty much, but it was so much fun. But now it's back to the grindstone. I'm just going to say this right now. I will be writing an article for Sound.Site this week. I don't know what it is yet. I don't know if it's going to be an editorial or a top five or something like that. But I'm doing it because now that I've said it, I will have to because I need to get back into the swing of things over at Sound.Site. But by the way, for the kids at home, that's a brilliant strategy I find in life in general. Tell people you're going to do things, especially if you don't, if you have, if it's something you have to do and you don't really want to tell everyone that you're that either that you're going to do it or that you've already done it <laughs> that's the really good one so then you absolutely must do it yeah we'll uh we'll see what i come up with at the end of the show we're going to talk with Corey tad he he contributes to sound outside every now and again but now he's of the just a tad cast uh which is his new podcast and we're going to talk to him about garth Marenghi's dark place so that's coming at the end of the show that was a lot of fun but we got i want to spend a little time on the comments and the tweets we got this week because i heard from a bunch of you guys we heard from pedro who left us a review on itunes apparently woohoo thank you so much pedro uh it hasn't turned up yet and sometimes itunes likes to eat comments as keith can tell you um, but hopefully it'll show up, and thank you very much for, for reviewing us on iTunes. Also, he's with you on the newsroom, and uh, I'm wrong, <laughs> and yes. it is a smirky soap. Oh my god, I'm, I'm, I never get to be right, so I'm going to savor it. <laughs> well, you, there's lots of uh, Simon's right this week, because I heard from both David Bax from Battleship Retention and then of course Ken from Chicago, one of our one of our fabulous listeners. And they both are totally with you on Lydia from Breaking Bad. Uh Ken sees her as basically Walt but minus Heisenberg. Um, which to me is like yeah, sure. I don't like that, and I wish they didn't have that on the show, because I don't want anything that's more like Walt on this show. I hate <laughs> Walt. I don't even like watching Walt. I watch it in spite of him, not because right. of him. That's like another kind of hate watching. 
Yeah, different kind, I suppose. But we're going to talk more about, about Breaking Bad. But yes, yeah, so you are, once again, you are right about the newsroom, and you are right about uh, uh, Breaking, Bad. Breaking Bad. So you're. I hope you're feeling very validated this week. Uh, that's good. I actually, I was really in need of some validation. So thank you, podcast listeners. If I can't get anything right in my day-to-day life, I can at least get TV right on occasion. <laughs> We also heard from Mario, who loves coupling. His favorite is Remember This, which is that season three episode, which has the flashback about Patrick and Sally. And I I, I really like that one, too. So good taste there, Mario, as ever. And let's see. We, I, I was tweeting about So You Think You Can Dance, which had some terrible music choices this week. Uh, I'll talk about that later. And uh, got to talk with that a bit with Josh, as well as TNRLM. TNRLM, you tweet uh, with us quite a bit. I would like to be able to call you by your actual name. I don't know if you don't want that, but uh, TNRLM is kind of like, I don't know. I feel like I should make him a name for, for him or her. Trollm. Trollm. Anyways. Uh, it's not very catchy, is it? No, it doesn't really it doesn't really work. Anyways, so we were talking a little bit about how Political Animals has just terrible dialogue. So we're going to also talk more about that. So lots of, uh, lots of feedback this week, and it was great hearing from you guys as ever. Um, let's see, any final uh, Santa Site stuff before we get into this? Uh, two points. One, we're in the midst of Fantasia, so we've got an absolutely absurd number of reviews for that going up. Uh, I don't know if we're going to cover it on the podcast or not, because I'm not in Montreal anymore, so I don't know what I can see and what I can't. But I uh, would love to do a uh, Fantasia cast if we can. Second point is, uh, this is not this is never fun to do, but I'm doing it, so deal with it. Um we are having some hosting issues. We're uh, we're probably going to have to change providers. It's a whole thing, uh, and that costs money. Actually, it's going to end up costing us money either way. So uh, if you enjoy the site or the Televerse or Sound on Site or anything that we do, please consider uh, there is a PayPal button. I'm sure it's on the main page, but it's also on every one of the uh, podcast pages just underneath the uh, Listen Now button. Uh, do consider sending us, you know, Several thousand dollars if you have it just lying around. Uh, if not, whatever you can spare will do. We've been, God, we've probably put out, I've personally been on easily 500 hours of podcasts and I don't get paid to do this. You sure as hell don't get paid to do it and you edit and you edit the thing every damn week and put it out in two different formats. This is a time consuming affair. It would be great if you could chip in because it's going to get stressful for the next month or so. Yeah, we uh we're having some unexpected um and therefore unplanned for fees arise that are going to make life very difficult for us at Send on Site. So if if you like the show, if you want to contribute, if you ha- have that possibility, any amount, any like 2 bucks would be wonderful. Uh yeah. if if you have it. And if you don't, then just, you know, send how about you, if you don't and you want to contribute, you can review us on iTunes. Yeah, that would be an excellent way to boost our ranking, help people find us and generally make us feel a little bit better about ourselves. Yeah, we don't like to solicit donations from you guys. That's why we just we don't do it. This is episode, what, 48, and we haven't done it before, but the site's really in some trouble, financially speaking, right now. So if you have it and you want to contribute, that would be much appreciated. But let's get into our week in TV. We've been dithering here for like almost 10 minutes. All right. And I'm going to kick things off with Wednesday and the premiere of Top Chef Masters. And I know you didn't catch this. I barely, I mean, I wouldn't have known it was coming back, except I had done some research a few months ago and put down all the premiere dates. Uh, yeah, no, I would, I would, I would have watched it, but I didn't. 
<laughs> I just forgot. I plum forgot. Sorry, kids. It w- they have a lot of really good chefs this season. Um, it looks like it'll be uh, it'll, it'll be a good one. The they've brought back some of the people who have been on the show before, so some favorite Top Chef Masters contestants who have not won are there. It should be interesting. Um, I got to give a shout out to Art Smith, who's on this season. The guy dropped 120 pounds uh, in the past like year or two, or maybe it's even three. But he's looking good, so good for him. And the uh, it looks like they have a lot of fun challenges planned for for this season. So that was it was pretty fun. They had to um, make a Vegas style buffet because it's set in Vegas. They were in two teams, and they went and did all their shopping. And then when they got back. They were given a scratch card, and one team had to do a Mexican buffet, one team had to do an Indian buffet, and they didn't have any of the ingredients for that, and so it was kind of just fun to watch them scramble and come uh, up with you stuff. You just said Indian buffet, and now I really want to go get some lunch. Oh, um, non. Yeah. Oh, God, there's some, there are some way too, like, they should not be that cheap, cheap Indian buffets down the street. Anyway, um, what I like about Top Chef Masters not having seen this episode yet is I just like the joviality of it compared mm-hmm. to regular Top Chef, where it's a lot of these guys are friends, and because they're all respected chefs, they don't really want to diss each other too much for the most part, although sometimes that does crop up because, you know, these are human beings. Um, so I, I like that there's just a general, there's generally a better level of cooking, and there's less drama. Yeah, they're Which all. I'm always into. They're always they're all established, so they're not feeling you know insecure and in the need to like prove themselves to the other people there because they're all James Beard Award winners. They're all widely recognized as experts in their field. Yeah, and they're just and they're playing for charity and bragging rights, which is a little different. Yeah. Uh, next, we have so you think you can dance, which had the top sixteen. The the people who went home this week, I think one of them was probably the right call. It was um, the stepper whose name is Brandon, who was very good. Just not his. They had solos at the end to "Dance for Your Life," and his was far from uh, stellar compared to at least the person he was dancing against. The the more disappointing is the woman who went home, which was Amber's, nowhere near the bottom. But for some reason, people keep voting for some of the not as talented dancers. The big thing for this episode, though, was there were just a bunch of music choices that didn't make any sense. They, they did a cha-cha and set it to Call Me Maybe. Ooh. Why would you set a cha-cha to Call Me Maybe? And I don't even have a problem with the song. I know some people hate it, but it's catchy and it's fun. But it's not a cha-cha song. Yeah, no, that's just a straight-up dance tune. Yeah. Anyway, so there are a few musical choices like that. They, they've bothered me a few times with the music choices on, on this show. Um, and I don't know how much of it is producers wanting to use pop hits um, and how much of it is choreographers thinking it's a good idea to use, for example, a salsified version of Beethoven's Fifth, which is just Ooh. very strange. Um yeah, and every now and again they pick a song that has like a long pauses or acapella sections where there isn't any moving music, but people are moving around and dancing, and so it feels very strange because the music should pair with it. So if they're if they're moving and they're working, there should be music. Otherwise, it seems very strange. So yeah, I, I'm hoping that they get better at their their musical selections. But there were some some really good dances this week, and um, I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing. The call me maybe at least at least the female part of that duo, Janelle get eliminated because she's she's just she shouldn't be on the show anymore. 
Anyways, um, let's move on to Futurama and the Six Million Dollar Mon. Oh, this was better than they've been, I think, recently. This was a, a slight uptick for them, which is weird because I don't really normally think of Hermes-centric episodes as being highlights. Um, I'm not sure why that is. I just feel like Hermes kind of has one or two character traits. He's not necessarily as versatile as, say, Bender or or even Leela. Um, but I really dug this one. I think the main thing for me is I was uh, I was surprised by how clever uh, Zoidberg's solution was to uh, to their sort of Frankensteinian dilemma. <laughs> I, I that I didn't see it coming. It was just so elegant in a you know gross sort of way. And it was funny, and uh, although I didn't really need the visual of someone actually peeling his skin off, that was a bit much. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I had fun with this one. Yeah, I, I wouldn't think of it so much as being a Hermes-centric episode, which it was, but the reason I think that it works so well for me is that it was very Zoidberg-centric. And anytime we have more Zoidberg, I'm a happy camper. Uh, so, so I think that's why, I mean, because it's a really, stary, I mean, a really straightforward story of you know Hermes starts getting uh upgrades with cyborg upgrades and all of a sudden he's more machine than man but uh but I think having the the, that much of a presence for Zoidberg I think is what made it really work Mm -hmm. well I I think the highlight for me was him in the dumpster with the remains of Hermes having a little conversation with himself (laughs) that was pretty great yeah Next we have on Thursday, Awkward, and My Love is a Black Heart, which was their Valentine's Day episode. Uh, what did you think? Weird time of year for a Valentine's Day episode, but whatever. You know, I'm getting a little bit annoyed with Awkward, to be honest. Um, it's I feel like they're not dialing up the, 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 you know, sort of the funny and quirky as much as I'd like, and they're really dialing up the sort of pretty rote sort of rom-com-y character beats that I you can see it coming a mile away and you're wondering why the characters aren't just a little bit smarter or a little bit more canny and you know the obvious answer to that is because they're teenagers which is you know fine but shows about teenagers don't have to be about dumb teenagers and yeah it's not bringing the funny enough for me to be able to put up with the sort of really tiresome love triangle aspect and and even um, the stuff with Tamara and Ricky Schwartz is always even with that it's like okay it was funny the first 14 episodes but now it's it's really started like they need to move on with that character and do something new yeah with with that it just that's funny i mean first of all it's like you said it's funny the first five times and it's not funny anymore but that that sort of thing works when we don't ever see ricky or when tamra just kind of runs off screen something about ricky and it's all everything that's happening that entire relationship is you know not actually on camera that's when it's successful. Right. But but now they've involved him with Sadie and he's on camera. Yeah. It's... They're spending way too much time on it. And, and that's killed the joke. And I, I would be, they need to develop Tamara. And if they're not going to develop her, they need to feature her less. And I would be all for seeing more of Ming, um, which we get a little bit of a love interest for her here. Uh, but they haven't really spent time with her at all. For most of the season, outside of that, the one Asian mafia episode. Yeah, I, I I'm sort of encouraged by the fact that it got renewed for like a ridiculous for like a 22 episode or 20 episode third season, which is good for them. I'm hoping that more time to spread out will give them will will mean that it's less concentrated in terms of the a plot, mm-hmm. uh, which is this is like I can't think of a sh- of a show that I enjoy where I care less about the main plot. Yeah, well, and when you have 
when you have your main character involved in a love triangle and both of the guys are supposed to be good guys, it's very quickly becomes, uh, becomes difficult to root for your main character because she's messing with two people that you like. That's something that they've managed to do well on Vampire Diaries and a couple other shows, but here you just feel like she's stringing along the one guy while she's pining for the other guy, but whenever he does anything, she shuns him. You know, it's like, so you don't, pretty quickly the main character becomes unlikable. Yeah, and and it doesn't help that neither of the two guys is all that compelling to watch. For you, for a lot I'm, of people, they are. For me, yeah, yeah, I know. I'm I'm not a 13 year old girl, but you know, <laughs> grow up, people. They're not that great. Let's let's move on though to Wilfred and Control, which saw uh, um, Ryan introducing his girlfriend to his neighbor, and uh, we. I know you've been missing Chris Klein, so we get more of him this week. What did you think of both this episode and where it took the Ryan Amanda relationship in regards to our expectations? Right. And uh, I, I'd say, yeah, I, I guess I need a little bit of crow here. I was worried about them sort of writing off Alice and Max's character because she didn't seem to like dogs. And they explicitly dealt with that in this episode. And seemed, that seems to be no, a non-issue now, which is great. I will say that for the first three quarters of the episode, I was having a hard time because I think this might be the most awkward episode. Just in terms of just pushing the cringe humor as far as they possibly can and having um and having Ryan just you know lying his ass off and trying to fix situations and you just know it's going to come apart and just stuff like that I have a really hard time watching but I have to say I'm going to give the episode a pass just for the visual of Wilfred's face being covered in pie <laughs> while Amanda tells the story of her dead grandfather that was a brilliant brilliant sight gag I love that yeah it was the uh... It was pretty funny, and the uh, as soon as she mentioned that her grandfather had died, I was like, oh, awesome. This is so much better than I could have hoped for <laughs> with the story, you know. Uh, I'm glad that they gave her a legitimate reason to not like dogs. The, the I was getting annoyed at the beginning of the episode with the, the other characters' level of freak out about her not liking dogs. There are a lot of people who don't like dogs. It's not an uncommon thing, and so... Um, I can't remember her name, Fiona Goodwin's character, the neighbor, freaking out. Jenna. Jenna, freaking out that much because she doesn't like dogs is uh, seemed a bit extreme. But well, the, the thing is, dog people are sensitive about how people feel about dogs. Just ask Rick. Yeah, but my sister, the mega dog person, was like, yeah, some people don't like dogs. I don't get what the big deal is. Uh, so I don't know, maybe it varies dramatically person to person, but, uh, anyways, I was glad I liked where it ended. I like, uh, that they are going to seemingly keep them together for a little longer. I like them as a couple. So I'm looking forward to where that relationship moves from on from here and just all the stuff with alcoholic bear, I thought was pretty funny. And uh, that last gag with the paper swan was pretty good too. Yes. Yeah, that was good. Um, I'm I'm still wondering when they're going to sort of get back to the uh, weirdly freaky aspect of the show, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm having a reasonably good time waiting for that. Yeah. Um, next, we have Squidbillies, where the butt cutter, which I was, uh, you didn't get a chance to see this one either. Uh, so hopefully next week, sir, next week, Squidbillies. I'll remember. Okay. God. Get off my back. <laughs> 
this one was uh this one was funny and sort of strange i wasn't sure at first where it was going but the payoff at the very end was was pretty great so uh yeah i'm i'm enjoying squidbillies and without having someone to dialogue about with about it i think that's that's enough time spent on what is a 10 minute episode of television fair enough i enjoy the show and i look forward to seeing what you think of it next week next on sunday we have the newsroom bullies and one of the things Aaron Sorkin does really well is, is um, shrinks, psychiatrists or psychologists, depending. I think this was a psychiatrist because he was able to prescribe medication. But um, watching this, a lot of this episode centered around Will going to see a, a psychiatrist about his um, his insomnia. It, uh, yeah, I mean, the only issue I had with with watching those scenes is that it just reminded me of the episodes of the West Wing that were similar, where Josh went to see a psychiatrist and were just so much better. But trying to take, you know, I don't, it, it's it's that whole, you know, Dark Knight is so amazing, it's hard to separate it out from Dark Knight Rises, the expectations and stuff. Um, but, so divorcing... Well, also, it, only one of those two movies is good, but anyway. I guess I, I still haven't gotten to your, your episode on that, but I'm looking forward to, to listening to that later today, actually, when I am yeah, running experience. Anyways, um, so separating out that element of it, I think this was a pretty strong episode. I know basically if you're in on the show at this point, then you're 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 probably in. And if it's bugging you, you've probably jumped ship by now, much like Pedro. Hey! <laughs> uh, well, I, I I heard I heard from a few people that this was the best episode, or maybe at least since the pilot. Good for you guys. I'm still, but I'm still waiting for it to bite you in the ass really, really hard again, really, really soon, and it's gonna happen. Well, and I should mention that we now have we have a bunch of new writers at the site, and so now uh, Sunday um, Depayan is covering Newsroom for us. So if if you are interested in reviews of the Newsroom, you can check that out at the website. I think he's getting those up on Mondays, um, and uh, it, it's actually he he likes the show, so it's a positive review, which. Me, if you're looking for that, if you're looking for one from somebody who's not yeah, yeah, we, up we yet, tend, we tend not to sign people up to write for shows on a weekly basis unless they at least partially enjoy them because we're not sadists. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> we're not paying them, so they, they also that need to like it at least. Anyways, um, I thought there was a lot of good character stuff. Uh, Olivia Munn had a lot more to do this week, much like last week. Dev Patel had a lot more to do, and I think featuring the the side characters does a lot to shift emphasis away from the more annoying aspects of the various love triangles. Um, and the main character. And the and the main character. Yes, that is that is true. Uh, so I think they are. You know, they've moved forward. There's a lot of this episode deals with Fukushima, um, and which was. I don't know for you, but I had I had a, at least one friend in Japan at the time, and so it was a very scary um, situation. No, I, don't, I don't have any friends, so I wasn't scared. But <laughs> I imagine it was it was quite harrowing. And uh, yeah, the way that they uh, they dealt with it, I thought was very accurate to the time, and I thought that it was more balanced than they have been in the past about covering. For example, the the Gabby Giffords thing, the the. Um, oil spill so this seemed to have more of a realistic take where you have one character who's very concerned and several others who are telling her to chill out um so so i thought they handled that pretty well and we'll see if they keep skipping forward time i'm hoping that by the end of the season they're caught up to present time but we'll see 
what happens with that. Um, wait, wait a minute. Other characters were telling a woman to chill out. That yeah. Sounds like something that would happen on the newsroom. Yeah, there was there was uh, one bit of frustration for me, uh, gender wise, where the the boss Charlie was calling Olivia Munn's character girl. Uh, uh, now see here, girl, or something like that, and she she chastises him. Uh, Don't call me girl, which was great because you, you know you, you wouldn't say boy to one of the male guys, except that then. You know, so it was a nice, you know, counter counteracting of the, some of Sorkin's gender issues, except that five minutes later, Charlie calls her girl again and she doesn't correct him. <laughs> so, you know, uh, well, at least he didn't call her Internet girl. And, well, and when when when, you know, she fixes the situation, he goes, and now we'll go back to calling her her name. I don't I can't remember. Sloan, I think it is, except that you would he would never do that. To a man. He would never say, boy, okay, now we'll call you Will. That would never, ever happen. So it's just, it, it does become increasingly difficult for me to watch this show, as much as there are a lot of elements to it that I actually am enjoying, despite, as much as that may seem impossible to you. But, I'm just sending, like, lightning bolt of hate across the... You actually, because of the Skype setup, you, because of the Skype setup, you look very close to me right now, like you're within punching range. Yeah, and I just I well, no, it's not good for you. Stop it! But you're not. I can't actually slap you, so it's not really working. Yeah. See, so this it... is what happens. We talk about newsroom, and I want to do bad things to women. That's <laughs> how it works. It's infectious. <laughs> Sorkin. Uh, let's move on though, because next is political animals, the woman problem, and I'm oh, good segue. I know, right? It, it works out. I like when they help you out like that. But I'm done with political animals. The show's terrible. The dialogue is horrible. And Sigourney Weaver's performance is nowhere near engaging enough to get me to stop watching, or to, to keep watching the show. And as much as I enjoy Carla Gugino, and in this role too, it's not enough. I, I don't like these characters particularly. The structure is terrible. The writing is terrible. The pacing pretty terrible uh and by the time we get to the the asshole husband being lauded as some sort of sacrificial benevolent figure i i was done really i don't know if that's what they were doing i mean we've seen him do i think the the trick with kieran hens's character i'm trying to get your name right this week dude the the thing with him is i i think we're allowed to see him as someone who in the right situation can be noble uh, can be self-sacrificing or at least, you know, self-effacing um, and also is capable of horrible, selfish things like most people. Uh, I, I'm not sure that, that that I'm not sure that what we see at the end of the episode is necessarily the last word on him. Yeah, but I'm sorry when when the character says your your dad would do anything for your mom, except not sleep with everyone. Well, yeah, and that's I kind of, you know, I I, I dig that duality in the character where he's. Oh, he's aware of his failings and occasionally manages to eke out a little bit of gracefulness, but you're just shaking your head at me because you don't think that's possible. No, um, not, not that my problem isn't the character. My problem is the way everybody else is talking about the character. Right. Well, he's also an ex president, you know, that commands no. a little bit more. No, no? bad, you, bad dialogue. You don't think people would talk differently about you if you were an ex president anyway. Um, I mean, there's definitely some clunkers in the dialogue, and especially the way um, uh, Bud, you know, set, uh, quote, sacrifices himself on TV is ludicrous. 
Um, it, especially the, the way he looked right at the camera and said penis, I was like, okay, this is going to be a dream sequence, right? Which is the second time this week something clumsy <laughs> happened on a TV show, and I said this is going to be a t- this is going to be a dream sequence, right? The other one was Breaking Bad, by the way. But anyway, um, I don't know. The uh, I I really like the scenes with um with Sigourney Weaver and Vanessa Redgrave. Uh, thought that stuff was really interesting. I'm you're just you look like you're falling asleep. Yeah, well, I just I, Sigourney Weaver's performance in those scenes was just terrible. The dialogue they were giving her was. Remember that time when this thing happened that you I don't <laughs> wouldn't need to tell you about because you experienced, but I'm going to tell you anyways because the audience doesn't know about it. <laughs> I'm not saying it's not clumsy and it's, but, but you know it's it's obviously not the most graceful show in the universe. I mean. It's sort of what if if someone told you that USA was going to do a full fledged serialized drama, this is sort of like what you imagine it would turn out like. But even for that, I mean, just based on the supporting cast and um and and actually, I have no issue with the plotting I, or with the pacing rather. I found it I, find, I always find it goes by pretty zippily. Um, I'm finding it passably entertaining enough. I'm not, and also I'm not offended by it like I am when I watch the newsroom. So that's something. They need to stop with the flashbacks. Oh, the flashbacks aren't good. Actually, and you know what isn't helping the flashbacks is the lens flares. What's yeah. up with the lens flares? What, uh, do they think they're J.J. Abrams? Well, I mean, what, they don't, what you don't realize is that actually um, James Walk's character is Journeyman. So that flat, that lens flare is him traveling uh, back in time to his other body to experience. What, yeah, I mean, no, the, the flashbacks don't take up much of the episode, but it doesn't change the fact that they're not interesting or helpful and i i, I wish and they james slow Wilk, it down they, they do and I, I wish i wish james Wilk was getting more interesting stuff to do except uh, if lone star proved anything it's that he can anchor a show by himself and uh he's kind of stuck playing third fiddle with a character who's a bit whiny and irritating uh so i'm hoping they improve him but yeah between sort of between carlo Gigino and a few other things i'm 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 gonna give it a a, a pass for now i i and like I said, it's, it doesn't make me want to throw things at my screen like some go. other things do. So next week, I'll I'll be covering Newsroom and you'll be covering Political Animals and we can argue over who's crazier if we're still I watching. I don't like it when mom and dad fight. <laughs> well, let's move on then to something I'm sure we will have more uh, simpatico on, which is True Blood and somebody that I used to know. Uh, what did you think? First of all, this isn't going to mean anything to you, but um, when I found out that the episode was called Somebody That I Used To Know, I thought, okay... I bet I already know what's going on, which is that there's this Got Ye song, which is ubiquitous on the radio. I bet even you've heard it called Somebody That I Used To Know. However, there's also an Elliot Smith song from six or seven years ago called Somebody That I Used To Know. I said, I bet they're going to go with Elliot Smith just to be dicks. And so actually the whole during that entire climax, I kept waiting. I I was like with bated breath for the cut to the credits. Elliot Smith. Thanks, guys. You made the right call. Uh, that was a really weird digression, but sorry. <laughs> anyway, uh, this episode was really, really fun. Uh, they're, they're, uh, they're, they kicked it up a notch for sure. And they, and they finally found a use for that Ifrit po- uh, pro- plot line that you've been having a hard time with, or at least a way to integrate it better. So I'm sure you're happy about that. Yeah, at least they brought in Lafayette to it. And anytime you have more Lafayette, I'm happy. I loved that sequence. The seance sequence was just so much fun. Mm-hmm. Well, and I'm finally getting to see the fun side of Lafayette, which I understand is sort of what he's usually like. Mm-hmm. Uh, same with Tara, actually. Like, it's weird because for the first five or six episodes, you know, they're you know she's a vampire and he's grieving, and they don't get, they don't really get to have much fun, and they're finally both getting back to what I gather is their normal selves, and it's much more fun to watch. Well, yeah, and with Tara this week, her at the bar—that's 
normal her. And so it'll be interesting to see how this situation in the basement uh, and that turn, what what that does to her. If we see her becoming more malevolent and and um, controlling and as she realizes the potential power of 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 uh, glamoring people it'll be interesting to see how that goes um i also liked the white stuff so much better thank goodness they didn't go where i thought they were going to go with that um though apparently he's back in peril uh we'll see what happens with that next week but i like the jessica stuff as well i thought that uh i was so certain that the vampire who was after sookie and her parents or whatever was going to be one that we already knew so I kept waiting for that reveal. I was actually thinking Bill because the guy we see in the in the fairy transportation sequence actually <laughs> looked a little bit like him. He didn't sound like him, but he just from the bottom of his mouth and the way – and actually actually he did sound a little bit like him just with an affected voice. I was thinking Bill, mm-hmm. but it's clearly not him, so I don't know. I guess it's so, – so it is – so it's a character we have no idea who it is. It's somebody new. Yeah, it sounds like it's somebody new. I was guessing it was going to be Russell just based on when he reemerged, even though that didn't make sense with what we saw last or two seasons ago. But um, but yeah, and the, and then I thought, oh, maybe it's going to be Bill based on the 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 line Jason gives her about their relationship. Um, but yeah, I guess it's somebody new. So we'll see what happens with that. And also, Bill would make it make sense because they they'll make a big deal about oh you you were reading the thoughts of a vampire that can't happen and i thought maybe she can do that because they're in love but <laughs> you know I, that's not what they're doing so and i don't know he he looks like um this vampire looks weirdly like i imagine the uh, the main character from the dark tower books look so i'm very confused about that yeah maybe they're doing some sort of stephen king crossover um what else is happening Elfeed. The... i don't care <laughs> yeah i mean you but you got a pretty good sex scene out of him so I guess it was that. Or was that last week? No, that was this no, week. No, that was this week. That was this week. Um, but yeah, I don't care about the pack stuff. And it's hard for me to be trying to care about and root for Alcide when he does all this bluster. No, I'll just give up. Not, not <laughs> I'll save this kid's life by beating the other guy. But no, I'll just give up because I don't care that much about you dealing drugs to everybody. Um, it just doesn't, you know. And then there's the um, the the Luna and Sam thing that did not work for me, even a little <laughs> really? bit. That was hilarious. Well, when they were Come trying on. to go okay. for the more like touching scenes of of Sam comforting Luna when she looks like him, like it didn't. Are you kidding? That was hilarious. Okay, how could you? And honestly, uh, the only disappointment for me out of that scene was I was really really hoping he was going to lean in for a kiss on the lips with himself but he didn't they didn't end up doing that which i was really i don't know i dug all those scenes and he was obviously the actor was having a blast doing both parts i feel like they needed to key it up just a little bit more if it was supposed to be funny if it was supposed to be funny because to me I just looked at it like, up. it's not funny enough to be funny and it's not emotional enough to be you know for me to buy into the emotion of it so it's just kind of awkward but apparently you liked it. Yeah, I was laughing. Um, let's go. see. Is that every? Is that all the main stuff? We well, have... there's also the Russell, Bill. Eric. Yeah. What do you think? I don't know where any of that's going. Um, I mean, how I mean, how big do you think they're going to go with this? They're good at big. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, It's nice to not know. They didn't really advance that this much 
this week. It was more about the other plots. Uh, I'm I'm watching with interest, um, but I'm also, you know, sort of waiting. I feel like Bill coming around is just, it's sort of an inevitability, and I'm wondering how long they're going to wait until they get yeah. around to that, because they must know it's an inevitability, because they're not going to make him evil forever. No. Uh, so... Hopefully they get through that and move on to more interesting stuff quickly. But I'm, I'm, I definitely had a really good time with it this, this week. Well, yeah, and once again, anytime Russell or Dennis O'Hare is on the screen, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. He, so the, you know, yeah. There's he that. is sucking the scenery's blood. All of it, all of it down. Um, but let's move on to Breaking Bad and Hazard Pay. Right. Um, as I said in my review on the site, this was sort of classic serialized drama get the pieces moving episode um you know it's it's one of the with breaking bad is one of those shows where you remember certain episodes by oh this is the one where x happened you know this is the one where they were stuck in the desert for four days or this is the one where they didn't do anything except try, try to kill a fly this is not one of those episodes no one is going to remember this for anything specific that happened i don't think but it gets a lot of plotting out of the way and it does it in a pretty efficient way and manages to get some pretty interesting visuals uh in there as well jesse plemons joins the cast this week which i had totally forgotten about yeah and makes me so so happy uh when he when he showed up in the credits i was like oh yeah awesome hmm. um and um yeah i mean we we have no idea how he's gonna factor into the plot but they wouldn't cast him unless something was up with todd so um yeah uh, that i'm interested to see where that goes uh i love the scene we got with saul early on where he he's skittish about working with mike again which was a beat i was looking forward to um let's see what else happened uh I, 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 again again i'm sure people are gonna have trouble with skylar was i the only one thinking she wasn't gonna come out of that bathroom ever <laughs> uh she's not doing well no she's not um yeah i think I mean, I enjoyed this episode. I think a lot of my enjoyment of the series at this point, right, or, you know, right now where they're at is put on Mike and how much I like Mike. Jesse, um, Jesse doesn't have that much to do. And so I'm not really watching it for him right now. But everything not having to do with Mike feels like work again, much like the beginning of season four. It felt like work to me just because I so actively, yeah, hate Walt. <laughs> and so it's not fun for me to watch him manipulate Jesse into destroying the only positive thing he has going in his life right now, which is his relationship with his girlfriend. Um, that's not fun for me to watch. And f to watch him manipulate um, Marie with that with the story about Beneke into, you know, not confiding in Walt and not trusting or trying to listen to what Skylar's saying, that's not fun for me to watch either. So mm -hmm. while the performances are all excellent, it's, you know, it's, it's a really good show. I don't like mm -hmm. watching it, but I also can't wait to watch it every week. I, you know, I'm, right. but it's, I don't yeah, actually it's, enjoy it's, watching it. It's twisted. Yeah. Um, actually, I think the scene where um, Walt, it, where Walt is talking to Jesse and they stop the street, they mute the three stooges and, uh, start talking about his relationship. That was actually my favorite scene of the episode, just because it's it's easy to see how Walt is definitely manipulating him, and some part of him knows that. But it's also entirely possible because he's so deluded that he thinks he's actually being helpful. See, I don't think he thinks that. I think he he I think he's 
actively manipulating him and delighting in his role as puppet master. No, I, I think it's different. I, I think he delights in his role as puppet master when he's messing with Marie. Absolutely. But I think there's still a part of him that has like fatherly feelings for Jesse, even though it's mixed up in all this other more messed up stuff. And wow, shutter, shutter. Tri- <laughs> shut- yeah, I know it's, it's twisted, but I, I do feel like on some level, he thinks he's doing right by Jesse, which just makes the whole thing even more messed up to me. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't, which, yeah, I don't I, I'm, I'm that, not but... saying it's sincere that it's right. I'm just saying that I think this is, if, God yeah. forbid, if I were Walter White, this is how I would rationalize it in my brain. Um, wow, that's not a headspace I want to get into too often. <laughs> um, anyway, lots of stuff to like, but I will say that the one scene I really did not like was the Scarface sequence. Like, I'm sure that they got the rights to that and they were like, yes, we're going to show you a clip of Scarface because Vince Gilligan has said from the beginning that this is the story of Mr. Chips turning into Scarface. And they thought, why not? Uh, But it was just too much. Um, I was really, again, to call back from earlier, I was really hoping it was a it was a dream of some kind or it could it totally would have worked as like as a nightmare of Skylar's, like just her sitting there with them watching Scarface. And then I don't know, maybe then if it was a dream sequence, they could have a river of blood coming out of Walt's mouth and he could shoot Walt Jr. I don't know, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm just spitballing here. Uh, But as an actual scene in the episode, it was just too much. Yeah. I didn't have trouble with that scene at all. There you go. Um, That was the only part of the episode I actively didn't like. Though the scene, um, probably at least the one that stands out to me right now as being the most um, interesting and uh, entertaining for me is the showdown ish between Walt and Mike. Right. And I don't think that relationship is long for this show because it can't be. Well, nothing is long for this show, really, is it? Because Walt is the main character. He's going to win. And Mike's going to either be dead or gone at some point. um, Because there's too many episodes left for that to be a final showdown kind of thing. And I don't see Mike cowing to Walt and Walt clearly doesn't like not being in control of Mike. I don't know. What do you think? I think of the rest of Breaking Bad as basically a series of showdowns that need to happen. Mm -hmm. And the ultimate one is Walt versus Jesse. Yeah. All the others are secondary. Walt versus Hank is, you know, before that. Walt versus Skylar to some degree because you know that she's going to crack and do – she's got it. I feel like she's the wild card. She's the wild card. Something has got to happen with her. We've already had three episodes of her being terrified and like more so every every episode something's got to change both for the show and for the character. So she's a wild card. Um, I feel like Walt Jr. is packing heat somewhere, probably hidden in a cereal box. Um, (laughs) You know, there's – yeah, like the rest of the show is basically how can we engineer these showdowns in the most dramatically effective way possible. And there's another wild card in the form of Lydia. I don't really know how much she's going to be around. But anyway, I could – that maybe we'll never see her again. Who knows? No, Um, unfortunately, I doubt it. No, not going to happen. And then there's Todd. We don't know what his deal is. And then there's Huel, who looks like he's got some dark secrets um, as well as a bad respiratory system. So, yeah, I mean, the, I, I have no idea. It's, again, the unexpected is fun. Um, mm-hmm. I'm what, One thing I am really happy about is this season is just barreling along. Like, I don't know if you remember the first part of season four, but after yeah. the uh, after box cutter, they really took it down to a crawl almost to a ludicrous degree. And this season, there's none of that. I think it's uh, really great. The the idea Walt has of how they're going to cook. I think that was. Yes, that was brilliant. Fabulous. Um, though you'd think he'd be more concerned about the bugs 
in the place that they're cooking in. But I don't, maybe the tent has a floor too. And so they just, I don't know. I'm sure there's some, you know, contingency mm-hmm. plan for that too. With, with things like the house fumigation thing, I worry about, do you, do you ever wonder if technical advisors on shows like this have to make sure that whatever they come up with wouldn't actually work? Um, I know, I'm pretty sure that the reason that Walt came up with the way to make the blue math was because, you know, the DEA or somebody was like, hey, guys, you're telling people how to cook meth on your TV show. <laughs> Please stop doing that. Much like on 24, the the West Point guys came over and said, hey, we keep getting recruits who think torture's cool. Could you tone that down a little bit? Um, oh, man. Yeah. So, so I do think there's an element to that there. Um, but I, I think it was really smart and mm-hmm. an interesting way to go with this season so i'm looking forward to it definitely yeah that the levels of like criminal invention in the in the breaking bad writing room sometimes scares me a little bit maybe a little bit <laughs> yeah they're, they're just it, their schemes and and their workarounds are just so much nimbler than any other show and i wonder what the time spent in in maybe not actual jail but juvie just sort of plotting stuff in their like mm-hmm. younger wilder years there's some of that in that room for sure um, but I, I guess I don't really have much more to say. I'll be interested to see what happens with Skylar mm-hmm. moving forward. I think her, she, that's, like I said, that's the wild card for me. So that's the one I'm most interested in seeing kind of where mm-hmm. it goes. Um, do you have any final thoughts on the episode? Uh, I, th- I thought it was quite strong, about on par with last week. and um, So I'm... much better than last week because there was no Lydia. Sorry. Oh, oh, I'm done. Geez. I'm done now. Jeez, you hate on Lydia. Poor Laura Fraser. But, um... Uh, you know, th- this is the sort of episode that, that begs the question, how is this going to go horribly wrong? And you know, you know that it is, but you just you're not sure how yet. And that's always the joy of Breaking Bad is how are they going to turn the screw and how is everyone going to get out of it alive or not? Mm-hmm. And uh, we haven't seen that yet. We have no idea what that's going to be. And that's the joy of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll have to see what uh, where it goes. Um, and what this was episode three. Yes. So, so there's only halfway. five left. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, we'll uh, as as you can see, Louis in the spotlight this week. We'll see if Breaking Bad breaks through again next week. Uh, but let's move on to Monday, and I'm gonna drop in quickly with Lost Girl because it's been quite a while since I mentioned this. Um, I'm enjoying where they're at. I'm still liking the show a lot. Uh, they're currently in the second half of season two right now on Sci-Fi Channel. Um, I think by the third season we're gonna be caught up to the Canadian schedule. Um, but right now, they're one of the things I like that they're doing is they have the main character involved with somebody who's from the dark, uh, dark, the dark side, um, the dark fae, uh, which for somebody who's unaligned, and they it's they brought this up in the last episode, uh, which was table for fae. Um, for somebody who's unaligned, she spends a lot of her time helping out the light fae, um, saying, I don't want you to control me, but I won't ever hang out with the dark. I'll only hang out with the light. And so it kind of doesn't make sense for her to be unaligned if that's what she's doing. So I think that's that's smart to to do. Um, Sean Ashmore is on the show right now as a love interest for Kenzie. We'll see where that goes. Um, I'm I'm liking that, and things are starting to kick up with the season long arc with the Garuda, which is this bad thing that's gonna take over the uh, take over the world or something or wants to destroy all Faye. Um, also, there was an Efreet. Uh, this oh. this uh, last week, and so I thought that was fun. A nice, uh, the little, little bit of a simpatico with with True Blood, um, but yeah. So so I'm still having a lot of fun with it. They're doing a good job of fleshing out their characters. It would be nice if they 
drop some of that Dyson angst because it's gotten a little old at this point. Um, but other than that, it's Lost Girl remains a lot of fun. Um, next is Bunheads and What's Your Damage, Heather? Um, what did you think? Uh, this was actually quite good, I thought. it's They've had a really hard time fleshing out the girls, and I think they're doing a better job of that lately. Uh, first of all, I don't know how we didn't mention last week uh, Sasha's dance routine at the end of the episode. Oh, I know. Was amazing. That was awesome. Holy crap. It was crap. so good. That was like my favorite 90 seconds or whatever the show has done so far. They need to do that way more often. Absolutely. Cool. Well, uh, and the song choice, the whole thing, it was great. Yeah. That was, yeah, way more of that, please, people who make bunheads. Uh, there was nothing that good this week, but I actually thought it was probably a better episode on the whole. Um, let's see. Uh, all, yeah, all the stuff with them sort of just rooting around her house was fun. Um, and I'm, I'm, I, I find, you know, as, as much as, you know, Fanny's a fun character and everything, the show's better without her around. Sorry. It's better without such a focus on her. I, I think it could be really good with her there just as a secondary character, but it's better when they're, when the focus is not split three ways, but split two ways between Michelle and the girls. Mm -hmm. So we'll see if they can bring her back and continue that balance. Um, but it doesn't I, feel like they're ever going to bring her back to the same capacity. Yeah. No. Yeah. That seems a little strange to me. Yeah. It's you'd think that they would have had a clear idea to start with what they wanted the balance to be, but apparently not. Yeah. Bunheads is a weird show in terms of like pacing and structure. It's, it's almost avant-garde in some ways. <laughs> Uh, it, just in terms of arbitrarily picking up characters and then we never see them again. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, in the case of Fanny seeming to have a second main character who just disappears. Uh, <laughs> never to teach ballet air again. Yeah. But, um, oh, do you like uh, Terry Belfer popping up as the one-eyed plumber, by the way? Oh, that was him? I, I, I actually thought maybe it was um, Josh Dallas for a second. But uh, no, that good, good for good for him. Uh, well, I'm glad they're giving Truly a bit more to do, um, mm -hmm. and I, I I enjoy her friendship with Michelle. Uh, I don't know. There was wasn't really anything that bothered me this week. I mean, I'm I'm a little bit tired of uh, Boo and her infatuation with uh, Charlie. What's her name? With yes. Charlie, who's just a, a, a vile human being. Um, I think I think that's interesting when we don't know anything about Charlie. I think it works when, when he's just the person who you see for 30 seconds and that's just part of her character makeup. It's, yeah. it's sort decidedly of like less interesting. Sort of like, yeah, with Ricky, unawkward. Uh, but as soon as, you know, he's, you know, he wants to ask out the blonde and then we have a love triangle situation, like, that completely tires me. <laughs> I have no interest in that. Yeah, yeah. There, there isn't any interesting love interest stuff on the show as it stands right now, which from what I understand with Gilmore Girls, that may continue to be a problem going forward. Well, the, on Gilmore Girls, they did a really good job with uh, with Rory um, for the most part. But Lorelai, there were a couple main guys and the rest were all kind of interchangeable. Um, and on this episode, the only concern I have, I really liked all the fleshing out of the girls that we got this week. I feel like I have a better sense of blonde dancer and tall dancer. Who are still, <laughs> like I want to say like, Jess or something like that is the blonde Jenna something like that because I feel like her boyfriend is Joe and they're J and J, but uh, I liked that what we got with that. But I, I but you still don't know their names, so that's a problem. I, 
I still don't remember the names. I liked um, the sequence with Michelle and Boo's mom. I thought that was really great. Um, but I'm concerned about where they're going with Sasha. I think the performance is really good from the, that actress. And I think the dynamic with her and Michelle is working well. But I'm concerned, especially with the promo for next week, that they're just taking that in such a stereotypical expected way. Well, we'll see. It's nice just to have some friction on the show because it's it's so jovial and everyone likes each other and everyone's having a good time in dance class. So it's nice to see a little bit of, uh, you know, someone actually has a problem with someone else and it's uh, it's actually an issue. Um, I still just think of the blonde one as a little Ivy, to be honest. It's like uncanny. Though uh, for me, what is it? There's someone else. Uh, one of the one of the dancers and so you think you can dance is a total little ivy uh which is her name is whitney and she's a d- dynamo dancer i'll show you i'll send you a picture later okay, but yeah so enough. we have we have three ivies well once smash comes back we'll have three ivies mm-hmm. on tv <laughs> uh, i'm almost excited for smash to come back just to see if they can salvage that thing anyway sorry we're off i can't believe it oh god i'm back to talking about smash god damn it anyway Bad. moving on moving on let's talk about alphas the quick and the dead this is our last yes. show alphas uh rules. how much do we love alphas right <laughs> i i feel like we like alphas more than anybody i don't hear anybody talking about it and they um, should be because it's awesome yeah um a lot of good stuff this week first of all it's not it's by far it's like one of the least noteworthy things about the show but i'm really liking john piper ferguson as stanton Parrish. Um, I like that they're 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 clearly going with an X Men y type dynamic where, you know, Magneto is the villain, but he's not necessarily unsympathetic. In fact, I always found Magneto more sympathetic than X, but that's because I'm that way. Um, Professor and, X to you, sir. Right. Um, and I, I like that he's you know he's soft spoken and he clearly has he's not a monster. And uh, although we don't know really know what his plan is yet, so we don't know how monstrous he can get. Uh, but I mean, all the stuff that's usually great about Alphas was here in Spades this week. All the stuff with uh, with Bill and Gary, and uh, this week Hicks, who I usually think of as the least interesting guy on the team, and he, him getting embroiled in their their little jokes and their uh, and their gossip was just great. Um, the the whole thing with him and. Uh, and Rosen's daughter, I think, is a, another good way to sort of fold him into the show a little bit more, especially since Nina's kind of on the outs. I love what they're doing with Nina, by the way. I think that's fascinating. Um, this idea that if you could uh, essentially glamour people, as, a, as mm-hmm. with on True Blood, if you could do that, wouldn't you do that all the time? And the answer is yes, you probably would, and it would become an addiction. And um, and that's that to me is uh, is is great. The 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 case of the week thing was probably the least interesting aspect, but I like that they at least try to tie it into the main plot. Uh, well, the, and, and once again, they did a great job of strength and then detractor. So super speed, but he super ages too. Yeah. And I, I like that, you know, this is the only time I've ever seen, you know, how many genre shows have you seen where someone has super speed? It's the only time anyone thinks to say, so how many calories is he burning? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Like that's so, that's the difference between alphas and other shows is there's there's always this quasi science aspect to the show. I will say though they did on um, SG One Stargate SG One there was an episode. There's this thing they got that gave them super speed and strength and everything, and they were just eating steak after steak after steak. <laughs> okay, so it's so, been done before. But, but but no, I thought yeah, you're absolutely right. It's a indicator of what the show does right that other mm-hmm. similar shows haven't, like Heroes. Uh, anyway, you keep. To- I've been talking long enough. 
You okay, yeah, no, no, fine. I can I can jump in here. Once again, I thought they did a great job with Gary. I still think he's the breakout character on this show. And I think that they did a really good job this week of showing not only him being hilarious and awesome uh, in his conversations with the team, but also showing how he's a liability as well in his utter inability to interact with these other people that he doesn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and cr- creating disturbance and problems and breaking windows. And, you know, so we like him. But but I I think they've done a really good job of keeping him balanced mm-hmm. in that way. So he's not yeah. just oh he's the quirky adorable one who says stuff he shouldn't. Um, he's a real person, and I I think that continues here. I absolutely agree about Nina, and it'll be interesting to see where that goes. I like having the team back together. I think they probably if they were going to have this episode of growing pains and the the team having to interact with all these other people around. I think they should have kept that longer before they just moved them out to their own floor and put, you yeah. know, reset. Which is, so basically it's season one again. Yeah. Well, I mean, cause why, why do the reset button? If you're going to do the reset button, why not do it at the beginning of this episode? Why, you know, spend the episode, you know, but I guess that's what they wanted to do. Um, the thing with Danny and, and Hicks is interesting. I like that they've given him a viable love interest um, that isn't Nina, because that seemed a little rushed last last season. And my only issue or concern with that is it just seems so clear to me that, for example, that kid was shot by Stanton Parrish or somebody on his team yeah. to try to push, you know, Rosen towards that. You know, like you can kind of feel like you can see the strings too much mm-hmm. on some things, you know. He was just a kid from, yeah, from yeah. you know, it was just, I'm a little concerned about that. But otherwise, mm-hmm. I I am very much enjoying uh, Alphas. I'm so glad to have it back. And you're absolutely right. More people should be talking about this show. More people should be watching it. And more mm-hmm. people should be praising it because it's awesome. Yeah, I, I, I think I think people ghettoize it because it's on sci-fi, frankly. Um, mm-hmm. And from what I've seen of other sci-fi or original series right now, this just feels more serious, more accomplished, um, smarter and mm-hmm. better executed and it's just got it's got a host of some of the best characters and acting on tv um and definitely right with, now yeah yeah and uh even with some other great shows that are on right now and even though it i think it and it does a really great job balancing um plot of the week and serialization maybe better than anything else right now um in, in terms of shows that aren't totally serialized um yeah, I really had I, the, I, the honestly the only thing that was bothering me during the episode was some of the motion effects were a little bit sad, but um the, you know, it's a really hard thing to try to capture, so uh I wouldn't have wanted to be in the effects guy's shoes. Well, and I'm glad that they did that and and that they had um I don't remember the character's name, uh Flash dude. Yeah. Be fast all the time so that he can't slow down. Yeah, even when he's just sort of twitching around. Yeah. When he's trying to talk, you know, because that's something that makes so much more sense than, oh, I go from completely normal to super speed. You know, the fact yeah. that he can't, you know, live a normal, at the normal pace. Um, so, yeah, I think we both are, are having a lot of fun yeah. with the show. And I, I feel like I'm still, like, Based on how good the show is now, I'm still waiting for when the really good stuff happens, like when the plot really kicks into gear, sort of like with Breaking Bad. Like if we get the equivalent of the Brent Spiner episode from last season where it's it's just going absolutely nuts, like uh, that's the stuff I'm I'm really excited to see. Yeah, we'll have to see where it goes this season, how they balance serialized and uh, standalone. If we get this kind of standalones we got last season or if, if it just becomes much more of the serialized kind of drama. But 
anyways, if you're not watching Alphas and you like genre stuff, you should check it out. And uh, I think that's uh, I think that's it, right? That's our week in TV. Uh, yes. Oh, uh, last thing I want to mention about Alphas: great song slash intro length, good ideal showtime. Mm-hmm. Pay attention. Yeah, that's how it's done. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think the intro. I was just actually commenting to my sister the other day that I do really like the, uh, the intro song and the credits. It's nice to have credits. It's Kind of thing that's going by the wayside, but I I like having them. But let's take a break and listen to some music and come back and spotlight Louie, Daddy's Girlfriend, Part 2. the third time uh that was a song from louis that i don't know the name to <laughs> that was featured they need, to, they need to release a soundtrack at some point at least on itunes yeah so that i can appropriately credit the the music from the show because it's great i really like it but i don't know what it is so once again music from louis this week is uh daddy's girlfriend part two last week was the chase louis uh trying to find uh, a love interest for himself and this week was about what happens after that um what did you think of this episode how it worked as a two-parter and also parker posey oh louis um i'm not this isn't that sort of podcast i'm not going to get into it but the timing of me seeing this episode was perfect and i was in just the right mindset for what occurs in this episode and it, it just hit me perfectly and i think uh in particular the last two or so minutes of the episode on the rooftop are maybe accidentally but i think it's some of my favorite stuff louis ever done it might be my individual favorite sequence i just thought that was beautiful with the uh, the music you just heard and um parker posey who is better than i've ever seen her in this in this two-parter i think she's amazing um, just moving from sort of this sense of bliss to something darker and you don't really know what it is or why. And you probably never will because we'll probably never see, never see her again. And um, I don't know. And, and, and CK is really good in that scene too. The way he wears that big goofy smile, he smiles broader than we maybe ever seen him get to do because he's never happy. Um, and then realize that it, the moment's gone. And I don't know that just, that kind of destroyed me a little bit. Um, but as a two-parter, I, th- I thought it worked uh, really well. Um, I'm, under, I'm under the impression we're going to get more like that in the future, which is fine by me. Um, I think it did a really good job, sort of, you get the, you know, the fist pump moment from last week where when you, secure, when you, when you, you know, when you land a date or something like that, you know, it really is, you know, it, it's a great moment. You feel like you've accomplished something, you like you have like you have value because someone is willing to go out with you at least once. But then of course you find out that it's not all wine and roses, which you already knew, but you forgot because that's how this works. You hit the reset button every time. And, um, I've definitely had outings like this. Um, not, they didn't, uh, you know, I didn't have to go up a hundred flight of stairs or wear a dress. Uh, but, um, it was probably less romantic. So I guess that's a trade off. Um, anyway, I'm rambling too much because I love this too much. You, you talk now. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really 
good episode and I think it's a very well done demonstration of manic depressive personality but it's hard for me to really enjoy that watching it so I, I liked scenes but the overall whole was just it was very you know like like I've said in the past Louis is really good at capturing an emotion and so at the end of that final sequence he captures melancholy and he captures the fall but for I think I mean I'm just a little too close to manic depressive personalities I have people friends that I've had people that I've known going from absolute highs to absolute lows and mm -hmm. so that's not fun for me mm -hmm. because the lows get so low and I was pretty sure she was going to jump at the end yeah that was seriously tense that was I, I was on the edge of my seat in a way I was not anticipating which is another thing that Louis does it pulls out tricks you didn't know it had yeah um, you yeah. you didn't know like I never thought I would feel tension during an episode of Louis but there you go uh, this might be the least Louis-centric episode of Louis ever. I feel like like CK maybe had like five lines of dialogue in this entire episode. Yeah, and it's interesting because that's something I was reflecting on um, when I, as soon as the episode ended, I was, you know, well, this was a really great episode of television. Do I like it better than last week or did I like last week better? And I was trying to determine, because my inst in instant response is I like last week better because last week is a hopeful, happy episode <laughs> and this one's right. really not um well moments are but you know anyways and i was trying to determine if how much of it was because last week was about louis and this week was about her but i think actually a lot of this episode is also about him and how he sh what she brings out in him and mm -hmm. because you know i think louis ck has, has really grown as an actor and just his reaction shots are so effective Mm -hmm. Um, so I think it, it actually is more balanced than maybe it would seem on first, first, uh, appearance, but you're right. It is more of the episode is spent exploring her and w what she brings out in Louie than I think any other episode we've seen. Yeah. And I, I was reading a little bit about him working with his guest stars, uh, this season and, um, I won't mention somebody we saw last season is going to be there again this season. I'm not going to say who. Oh yeah, I'm I totally to, stoked. <laughs> but but I I anyway. Um, and he was saying how he what the the scene he wrote for this person last season wasn't that special. He didn't think it. I would I would kind of agree. And so this season he really tried to write for their voice. And I I think he's if if the Parker Posey uh, episodes are a demonstration. I think he's I think he's really working at optimizing his guest stars for maximum potential. And I, th I think he did a, a wonderful job writing for Parker Posey. I assume this was written for her mm -hmm. and uh, she's, she's amazing. Uh, I, th I think she manages to communicate why he becomes so entranced with her in the first place. And then also brings out the darkness and neither feels like it doesn't feel contrary mm -hmm. to the person. It just feels like, she says, I reveal myself to people very quickly, which is very convenient for 22 minutes of television. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, and it's, it's absolutely, you know, I've definitely known people like that. And uh, I, th I thought she was utterly believable. And, and you're also right about um, CK and his sort of reactions. And if you ever want to see how much he's grown as an actor, go pull out an episode of Lucky Louie sometime. <laughs> it's like night and day. He could not act at the time. I'm sorry. Um, and yeah, he's, he's gotten a lot better. Um, the, the, I, I, the other thing about this episode is there is actually 
quite a bit of it that's quite funny. Um, mm -hmm. Especially, I never get sick of seeing the lengths to which he'll go for like for a woman or in in yeah. service of of potentially getting his way. Like just from the the many stairs to the uh, to the dress, just his 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 moments of am I going to do this? Am I? Is this me? Apparently, it, it is. Uh, yeah, it's me. Uh, <laughs> God damn it! And yeah, that that is also something I can I can relate to. Well, just as um, soon as he gets up to the top, and she's like, "Isn't this worth it?" He's like, "No, this is not worth it. <laughs> this was not worth. This is not worth all those stairs." <laughs> yeah, and then he still ends up being be, being kind of happy, which is which is another, another also a, a little thing. But I love the way when they start going up the stairs and their the, the dynamic of their relationship immediately changes because now she's kid or sport like yeah. I'm coming sport it's like yeah. it's now it's now no longer an equal relationship he's yeah. it's parent child in some direction and we don't know what it is yeah um, little little things like that uh, are what make make Louis different and um yeah and I just need, need to mention again how great was that music on that rooftop yeah um we uh, apparently he writes for his music lately, which makes a lot of sense. Um, and just that choral jazz piece was just way more elaborate than anything else we've heard on the show, I think, so far, and was uh, just lovely, even on its own. Like, I would never go out of my way to listen to TV music usually, but uh, that I would actually want to buy because that was that just ruled. Um, Lots of other great stuff. I like the little food porny montage uh, in the middle yeah, of the episode. I was going to ask if that, because for me, it felt a little too long. Like, I don't know if that was the point. Yeah, like, I got this, I got the idea. I thought it was really cool, really fun. Um, and then, and then it kept going. And I'm like, okay, is the point supposed to be that it's still going? Because. Well, yeah, because I, I like the way there's like a pause in the middle. Where like, oh, yeah. Oh, let's keep going. And then there's more <laughs> caviar and fish and yeah. caviar and fish and bagels. Um, and also it made me very hungry. Um, <laughs> those bagels look yeah. good. Yeah. I don't know. This, this show can do no wrong for me right now. Um, and yeah, I, I try, I'm trying not to be too narcissistic about it, but it's definitely, it, it accesses very specific, uh, emotional beats that other shows are way too clumsy to try, even try to reach. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a, I feel like it's a very pure show. The emotions that it touches on. Would you agree? Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, and also because it doesn't have to worry about season arcs or character development or, you know, little things like that that other TV shows have to worry about, it it just lets him mainline whatever feeling he wants to access and luxuriate in for 22 minutes. So it's. I, and I don't, I don't think that you needed to see part one. To see part two, and you don't need part two for part one. So while it is nope. theoretically a two-parter, there's nothing that you know they absolutely stand alone. Which it's nice to see that because I'm a little, I was a little concerned about that because one of the things that we both said that we really like about Louis is that you can just jump in. You don't need yeah. to have, you know, you don't need to see a commitment uh, to like you don't need to start at the beginning and work your way through. You can just dive in, and every week is a little bit different. And and so I was very glad to see that. This week as well. Yeah. Uh, although if you watch part one, you will want to see part two and you yes. would be annoyed if there wasn't a part two. Ah, I don't know. I think it would have been okay just because that's the kind well, of show it is. It's taught yeah, me how to watch it. That's maybe true. And I, I do wonder now, now that he's starting to do part twos of things, if there's anything from before that he'll ever want to follow up on, like yeah. the whole thing with the niece or, um, mm -hmm. 
I, might, I, I don't think we're going to see Pamela, but um, other other stuff that he just sort of left hanging. Uh, but yeah, it doesn't really seem like his style, so I don't know. But then again, trying to guess what his style is is a folly at this yeah, point. Pretty much. And oh, and by the way, renewed. Renewed. So glad. And they Yay. were, I think Wilfred, they were trying to figure out numbers or something they, for, to get that renewed as well. So lots of good FX news. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm quite confident Wilfred will be renewed. And it was renewed before Anger Management, which I'm sure will also probably get the 90-episode pickup. But still, you know, that was nice. Man, why can't we get Louie a 90-episode pickup? I want that guy chained to a desk for years <laughs> writing this show. Oh, man, I waited too long to get tickets for his show in Chicago, and they're sold out. They're also sold out. I'm so bummed. Oh, that's unfortunate. Next time. It'll be faster. Anyways, uh, let's. Do you have any final thoughts on, on Louis? Uh, no, I've, I've been. I feel embarrassed that I've just been fawning and fawning, and so I, I'll just stop talking now. But it's a great show, and again, if you're not watching it, you're incorrect. Yeah, and my final, uh, my final thought will just be to echo what you said at the beginning of this of this segment is that Parker Posey is fantastic in this. Yeah, I like I said, I, I like you know she's an actress that I enjoy but never think of because. You know, just for whatever reason, based on what I've seen her in, and here it's just I've I've never seen her be this compelling. Like I, I she if she doesn't like if she if she doesn't get an Emmy nod for that, then they they suck even worse than they already do. Yeah, the the, the Emmys are stupid. Yeah. <laughs> oh well. Um, let's hit a few show notes before we go into our DVD shelf with Corey Tad talking about Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. Um, first of all, the show is up on uh, soundoutside.org. You can leave us a comment there. Please do. We'd love to hear from you. Let us know what you thought of uh, Breaking Bad and Louie and all these other shows. Tell us uh, who your favorite alpha is because I, I want to know that there are other people watching this show out there. Yeah, please. Yeah, that, that'll be totally. our question this week. Who is your favorite alpha or why haven't you checked it out yet? Um, and then you can also find us streaming at Current TV. We're also up on iTunes with an M4A and an MP3 feed. Um, you can please review us and rate us in iTunes. Um, it's just search for the Televerse and we come right up. Um, what else? You can reach us on Twitter. I'm at the Televerse. You are? At Sucker Howl. And oh, and last thing I want to say is if you haven't, just to segue from what you were saying before, if you haven't checked out Alphas because it's serialized, just jump in anytime. It's not a hard show to figure out. Really, it's not. You can always not. catch back up later. Yeah. Um, then we have Gmail. So if, if you want to send us an email, it, that's theteleverse.gmail.com. Um, and our, as ever, our intro and outro music is Sweet Petite by The Bicycles. And I think that's about, that's, we already did our question, so let's, uh, I guess let's send it off to our DVD shelf segment talking about Garth Marenghi's Dark Place with Mr. Corey Tad. I'm one of the few people you'll meet who've written more books than they've read. Um, I felt I'd taken the novel as far as it could go. I guess it was inevitable that my imagination would make the move to television. I got a script, read it, scared me senseless, calmed down with Jude, and I said to Garth, I looked straight into his face, I've never been afraid of holding a man's gaze, it's natural. I said, this is going to be the most significant televisual event since Quantum Leap. And I do not say that lightly. Dean's not an actor. I warned Garth, um, I said, I'm not an actor, and um, he said, I'll always remember this, that he didn't want an act, he wanted the truth. So um, here is uh, Dean Lerner playing Thornton Reed, not putting on an act, but putting on the truth. Listen up, ladies, we've got a situation. A little lass has just cracked her nut, and if she croaks, my ass is grass. That was Thornton Reed, my boss, head of the department, a bull buster. 
So far, I've given her some looks at nastiness with hell, but she said she's having visions. Blood guts, a real hard show. That's Dr. Lucien Sanchez, hotshot surgeon. He's a good buddy, though we sometimes have punch-ups. She's saying there's something supernatural going on. It's witchy woman whittering, and it wants nothing out of the wick. This is a place of science, after all. I need panic in the walls like I need a hole in the head. Something supernatural, you say? That sounds bang up your alley, Dag. Aren't you an expert in the arcane and black arts? That was a long time ago, Sanch. Got my fingers burned. You take the reins on this one, Dag, but make sure your methods are orthodox. So worry, Reid. This sounds routine. I'm sure nothing untoward will happen. I'm Garth Marenghi, author, dreamweaver, visionary, plus actor. You are about to enter the world of my imagination. You are entering my dark place. We're back with the Televerse. This is Kate Kulzik, joined as ever by Simon Howell. And this week at the DVD shelf, we are happy to welcome back uh, Corey Atad to talk about Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. Corey, welcome back to the show. Uh, thanks for having me on. So uh, I'm going to just start with a simple question. Normally, of course, I ask what prompted you to pick the show that, that you chose to talk about. This time, I'm going to say, how did you even find out about this show, Garth Marenghi's Dark Place? Um... Well, it's funny because in retrospect, like considering the people involved in the show, I probably should have found it pretty easily. But like, I don't know, the show is weirdly buried. Um, but I found out about it from the WTF podcast uh, episode with Michael Cera. And he, like at one point he was talking about the different shows that he watches and, and he started talking about this show. And I'm like, what is this? So I looked it up and... It was all on YouTube because apparently it doesn't have a stateside DVD release. Um, and yeah, it is hilarious. Well, for the people listening who haven't heard of this show, which I'm just going to assume is most of them, uh, why don't I'm going to give you the honor, Corey, of explaining what this show is. Okay, so. Um, it's created by Matthew Holness and Richard Iode. I, I, is that how you pronounce Iode? I don't know. The, it's, uh, what's his face? Moss from the IT crowd. Um, anyway, so, uh, Matthew Holness plays a guy called Garth Morangi, who is an author, dreamweaver, visionary, plus actor. Um, and like basically, it's kind of a show within a show where it's like supposedly Garth Marenghi was this author who like a sci-fi horror writer who had a TV series in the eighties. And now it's like, I forget when did the show air? I think it was like 2002 or something, mm -hmm. 2004. So it's like now in 2004, he's like back filling a hole in the schedule showing this like TV show that got canceled. And so it's basically you watch episodes of the show and then interspersed there's kind of like an introduction and then some interviews with uh, Garth Marenghi and his uh, producer, Dean Lerner played by Richard Ioid. And yeah, that's kind of the concept of the show It's basically a parody of like really bad 
80s TV productions and like sci-fi horror things. Well, and, and then after all of this preamble, what prompted you to pick this show? I mean, well, really, it's just the, the description actually, of the show. Because we because we've been talking about it for a while, like come coming on the podcast to talk about it. So I don't know why. I don't remember, <laughs> but it's really good. So there you go. That's, that's that enough helps. of a reason. Simon, had you heard of the show before? Oddly enough, I heard about the show for the exact same reason that Corey here did. I was uh, listening to WTF and. I think I'd heard vague murmurs about it before, but uh, Michael Sarah's pimping of the show made me curious. And I, I think I, I really, really enjoyed the six-episode run, which uh, on one hand, it's it's one of those situations where you kind of wish there was more of it. But on the other hand, it's kind of a limited set of jokes. And I don't mean that in a in a bad way. It's just it's, it's got a very specific, you know, satirical target in terms of low-budget mid-'80s horror television. So it's maybe for the best that it had a short run, uh, and I th- I think what I what I dig most about it is just the 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 character of Garth Marenghi, who's pretty obviously modeled around Stephen King, and uh, I just get a I, I personally I get a laugh out of Stephen King in the eighties, particularly, and, and, and I'm guessing this is where the idea came from. He directed this movie called Maximum Overdrive, which is which is amazing and horrible. And just everything you would hope that an author directing a movie would be like, just deciding he can do that. And there's that same sense of, of hubris that they're making fun of here where, you know, this guy, because he's a, 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 a we actually don't know if he's a successful author. He just writes a lot. No. Um, and so, but because he writes a lot, he feels as though he's entitled to do every other job. So he writes, directs, stars, probably edits as well. He produces. And, and the theme song was uh, taken from materially a material he whistled, originally yeah. whistled, yes, by Garth Marenghi. Yeah, yeah. There's there's that same sense of all-consuming hubris, and I th- and just that shot through with the sort of with the low-budget aesthetics is just a is just a riot. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a really different and fun and kind of crazy show, uh, and I, I I actually had a lot of fun with it. And thank you guys for knowing about the show and Corey for coming in to talk about it because I never would have heard of it. Uh, but I was like, you mentioned Corey, I was su- surprised when we were watching, when I was watching it uh, to recognize as many people as I did. Um, of course, uh, Richard Iowate as, uh, as Dean Lerner, you know, I was, uh, he was in uh, Nathan Barley, which we previously talked about on the show and I've seen him in some other things too, but uh, Julian Barrett shows up. So does Steven Merchant. So do a bunch of other people that those familiar yeah, with. Fielding and yeah. 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 So if you're familiar with uh, some of the British comedy uh, of the t- 2000s, then you'll recognize some of the guest stars who pop up. Um, apparently, this has been broadcast on Sci-Fi Channel and Adult Swim in the U.S., and I feel like it's a it's got to be a really good fit with the rest of the Adult Swim lineup because that that sort of craziness of some of those shows, like a children's hospital, I was really reminded of um, in this show. Mm-hmm. Well, especially given the fact that it's also kind of a hospital drama. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah, we didn't, didn't even mention that. So it's it's called Dark Place because. It's, it takes place in Dark Place Hospital, which is just like the most ridiculous name for a hospital. <laughs> and I think my favorite thing, um, like just my favorite running kind of thing in the show is the establishing shots of the hospital, which are basically like 
a really poorly done like miniature model of a hospital and it just like zooms in on different parts of the model and it just i don't know why but i laugh every time i see it well and sometimes it's just a drawing of <laughs> yeah of the hospital it, it's it's hilarious yeah and just um the number of shots that are reused with just a different or at least if they're not the literally exact same shots and they're restagings of the same shots with a slightly different ominously glowing uh sky around the hospital yeah. is pretty fantastic uh, let's talk a little bit about the the different characters now we Matthew Holness and uh, Richie Ayoade created the show, and they play Garth Marenghi and Dean Lerner. But Garth Marenghi, in the show within the show, is playing uh, Dr. Rick Daglas, or Dag, who's the, the lead, of course. And then uh, Dean Lerner is playing Thornton Reed, who's the, the boss, the administrator at the hospital, who is very uh, fond of shotguns among other yes. things, and is a terrible actor, which is one of the more entertaining recurring bits for me. Then Matt Berry plays Todd Rivers, who plays Dr. Lucien Sanchez, who I think is my favorite character. <laughs> um, and then Alice Lowe plays Madeline Wool, who is playing Dr. Liz Asher. Um, so it's it's a little complicated to e explain, but I, what, did you, what were your guys' takeaway from the show within the show? Well, I, I think... Uh, Ayoade's character, Dean Lerner, is is my favorite. Although it's really because um, th there's this r one of the most consistent running gags throughout the six episodes is that, like uh, Marenghi, Lerner's not really an actor. He's just he's his publisher, I think. Mm -hmm. And then he comes on as a producer, and he also comes on to play the hospital administrator. And the way it's it's not just that his acting is poor, uh, which uh, Ayoade claims is um is genuine he's that he's that he was just a really bad actor at the time but regardless of whether or not he's playing it up or he's just genuinely terrible um that's already funny but also just the way they have to edit around his performance you know they'll 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 be jump really awkward jump cuts in the in the middle of a sentence just so they can get a line right or they'll do clear overdubs Cut or to a plant. <laughs> cut, cut to a plant, or just clearly that's not his. His voice is not matching up with the rest of the audio in in the scene, even if he's in the shot. Uh, just little things like that always crack me up. Yeah, there's there's one bit, and like I was rewatching a couple episodes uh, just before coming on, and like there's one bit where uh, all the characters are like talking over each other, and at one point he's supposed to interrupt Matt Berry, but there's like a three second gap. <laughs> And it's just like the 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 fact that they didn't cut around that one is just amazing because they just kind of let it hang there. I just I think what's really impressive about the show is not just that it's like a parody of you know old '80s shows or whatever, but it gets the aesthetic so amazingly right. Like it it does almost what Grindhouse tried to do and failed because it doesn't it doesn't quite go over the top with how bad everything is. I mean, like, everything is pretty badly over the top, but it's bad in a really realistic way. Like, you can see actual people trying to make a show and just being really bad at it and this being the result. Yeah. And 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 a lot of the comedy, like, a lot of the lines are really, really bad, but given the, given the context, like, the fact that it's sort of a show within a show and you get, like, the backstory and everything you get the sense that a lot of the stuff that 
otherwise would obviously be like a really comedic line were meant with all seriousness by Garth Marenghi. Um, so I don't know. It's just like the whole aesthetic of the show just works where like, I think a lot of shows that would try something like this would fail. Well, and it's important to mention, at least to me, one of the harder things to do is to convincingly play bad acting Yes. Or, or bad singing or, you know, any of these things. So the fact that they do such a good job of it, and maybe that's just down to, like Richard Ayoade Richard has said, that he just was a terrible actor at the time. Maybe they're not pretending in, in his case. But to, to, cap, to capture that just the right way is very difficult, and uh, they definitely succeed. Another thing, and actually you sort of hinted at that, Early, uh, a second ago is that it's also kind of a musical. <laughs> <laughs> yes. There's, there's a couple, and, and my, my favorite musical segment is actually in the last episode. It, Matt Berry's character gets this awesome uh, power ballad to sing with, uh, with complete with uh, uh, Ayoade as, as the, as the helpful bartender. That was just, that was fantastic. Mm -hmm. The helpful uh, rapping bartender. Yeah. The helpful yeah. rapping bartender. Yeah. Um, he's, he's, he's only a marginally better rapper than he is an actor. <laughs> um, which is not saying much. And there's another sort of dimension to the show that I, I even kind of wish they would have explored a little bit more, which is that as you're watching the show and getting these interviews interspersed, you're kind of developing the persona of these people outside of the show. Uh, in particular, there's this whole, I, I, there's this, I, I would call it a thread rather than a running gag is this thing about how, um, Alice Lowe's character, Madeline Wool is no longer around. She's disappeared, presumed dead. <laughs> and it, it, it leads to my favorite line of the end of the entire show, which is uh, one of Ayoade's lines about how she was like a candle in the wind. Unreliable. <laughs> <laughs> I could, I could have gone with, 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 uh, with more, uh, more sort of biographical humor like that. Absolutely. Well, one of the things I found most entertaining is the fact that no one is aged at all. Um, I'm, I, <laughs> I don't know if the people, if, if the interviews are supposed to have been done at the time that the show was made, except that that doesn't seem to line up with what they're saying sometimes. But they're all the exact same age as they are in the uh, in the actual show itself, and the the um, intros at the beginning, which are <laughs> different every time. It's a, a clip of Garth Marenghi reading from one of his books. Also, he's in no way aged either. So. That just little touches like that, I think, are hilarious. Yeah, yeah, and actually, the the opening, like the opening segment of each episode, is pretty genius because I think it's what it's like the same three shots every time, where it's like mm -hmm. pulling in on him reading from one of his books, and then there's like him coming down the stairs, sort of explaining the episode, and then him holding up a film reel of the episode yeah. for some reason, even though like it looks like it was clearly shot on video. Yes. <laughs> and then, uh, just like, I, I don't even, I wonder if I have any of the quotes from the books. I need to look that up. But the books that he reads from are so badly written. Mm -hmm. It's just incredible. Like, I don't know how they came up with that stuff. There's like the one of them where he's reading, uh, reading from the book and he says, Mike stared in disbelief as his hands fell off. From them <laughs> rose millions of tiny maggots 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 <laughs> just like, repeats maggots like 12 times and then uh, just like i don't know the the way that they sell the character 
is really what makes it because it could have just been like a really silly like I could see this being sort of like a 15 minute adult swim kind of thing where it's purely just the parody and it would be pretty funny but like it takes on a whole different dimension with like the extra uh the interviews and all of that like it it kind of brings it out from just being parody and you actually get kind of really hilarious character work yeah Absolutely. Yeah, I, I wasn't immediately sold on the interviews. Like in that first episode, I was kind of thinking, okay, the interviews are cute, but I think I'd be just as happy to spend the whole 24 minutes in Dark Place. But uh, certainly by the second or third episode, I, I saw what they were going for, and it really does add another dimension. Do you guys have a favorite episode? Hmm. I don't know if I have a favorite episode. Maybe, maybe the fourth episode, The Apes of Wrath. <laughs> That's a good one. The Green Water. <laughs> Yeah, the green water. Oh my god. Um, I love that gag where Matt Berry offers them the green water, <laughs> which nobody notices is green. <laughs> and and then uh, the two, like, uh, what is it, Dean Lerner and uh, Garth both decide last second that they want coffee instead. J- like, just completely ridiculous. They they all drink the like the coffee and the water at the same time, and then like two of them turn into apes. Just completely ridiculous. Mm-hmm amazing show but like i love uh, i love specific things from a lot of the different episodes like the first episode the funeral scene mm-hmm. after <laughs> <laughs> after garth's friend has exploded um, uh, they have a funeral and then he like rises from the grave and and uh garth pulls out a gun and starts sh- like first he shoots the guy's mother <laughs> And then he's shooting him with the gun. And then out of nowhere, um, Dean Lerner has a shotgun. Which is a motif. Yeah, it it is. But, like, that's the first appearance of it. And it's just, like, and not only is he sh- he's shooting with a shotgun, but he doesn't seem to be shooting at the grave. No, he's, he's like, just shooting, shooting the air. He's kind of yeah. shooting, yeah, he's shooting slightly upwards, which it wouldn't seem to be a very effective method. No, it doesn't make any sense. And then in the next shot, you just see him and, and like, he's there and he doesn't have a gun or anything. Like, it, it was clearly, like, an insert, but I don't know. Just, I, I watched that and I think that's when I was totally sold on the show. Like, I just died laughing. Yeah, I think for me, I think Hell Hath Fury is my favorite where where uh, Liz develops telekinesis and <laughs> sends various instruments around the hospital killing people. Just the um, Sanchez getting burned by an iron and then like three minutes later, his face is unburnt. It was yes. pretty fabulous. Uh, and Garth getting attacked by a uh, by a whisk, a deadly, deadly whisk and attacking himself with a, what is that, canister of gas or something? Something just like that. The physical comedy of that episode was just, I think, pretty fantastic. Being chased by uh, his own stationery. Yeah. Oh, yeah. His own stapler. Yeah. Well, and that I think that's my favorite as well, and and it's partially because it it su- most strongly supports my totally unsupported theory elsewhere that it's really all inspired by Stephen King, especially just it, it combines so many of of his pet themes, especially in that period. You get you got the enraged woman with telekinetic powers, which happens in at least two of his books. And you've also got the sentient, uh, other, otherwise inanimate objects, which happens in at least a dozen and is also a huge thing in Maximum Overdrive. Mm-hmm. And, uh, which, I mean, actually the whole point of Maximum Overdrive. 
and uh, it 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 very cannily parodies all of those things in a very short period of time. And actually, it, my favorite visual gag, also involving Matt Berry, is when he uses his gun to put down the iron. <laughs> yeah, but then his gun starts turning against him, so he has to discard it and shoot it with a different gun. With his ankle <laughs> gun, yeah, which then turns on him. Yeah, it's, right. Yeah. It's pretty great. It's a vicious cycle. Well, and that also starts the uh, the visual recurring gag of uh, Liz Asher, the the or Madeline Wool, or uh, now we're getting confused. The levels within Liz, the female character on the show within the show, going from completely fine to someone says something mean and she has mascara running completely down her face <laughs> in the next shot just instantly it's fabulous <laughs> I, yeah and and that episode also like i mean it's all through the series but that episode is the most where just clearly the people who made this show were extremely misogynistic mm-hmm. like i don't i don't mean the actual yeah. show but like the show within a show yeah like garth Marenghi is clearly extremely misogynistic and racist and racist. Oh, he hates the Scots. Oh, yes. Yeah, Scotch mist. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, so we are running out of time, but uh, do you guys have any final thoughts you want to mention about the show? I think, you know, this is called the DVD shelf, but given the fact that it's not available stateside, I mean, I know we have listeners everywhere, but in a strange way, YouTube is kind of the ideal format for the show. Uh, just in in the fact that it kind of enhances the you know the crap aesthetics of the whole thing which are deliberate and it's it, it it adds that extra layer of sort of digital fuzz to the whole enterprise and which which just seems ideal to me absolutely yeah i would agree with that it's like i had no problem watching it on youtube like i i would prefer to own it frankly but like whatever it's on youtube it looks crappy it's you know <laughs> it makes sense Corey, do you have any other uh final thoughts other than that if you haven't heard of it, you should watch it. And really, it's only six episodes, and they're like 23 minutes each. So it's, I mean, it's really not difficult to blaze through the series pretty quick. Um, and I'm I'm sure if you have any appreciation for, like, that kind of parody or, like, Adult Swim type stuff, like, you'll love this show. And lastly, I guess we should just thank Michael Sarah. Yeah, seriously. That guy's, that guy's awesome. <laughs> Good stuff. So yeah, I I'm good just uh you know ditto what you guys said. So it's a really kind of crazy funny show. It's made I think it's made even more entertaining uh, if you've seen uh, some terrible '80s TV. That's not as far off from what actually was airing on TV as maybe we might hope. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, it's just it's a fun it's a fun show. So think. Oh, I have I have one more thing to mention, which is that I I love the closing rooftop scenes of every mm-hmm. episode where where Dag sort of broods and thinks about his life and pieces everything together for himself. <laughs> so, um, Corey, where can our listeners find you online? Um, mostly at my blog, uh, justatad.wordpress.com. Um, and I'm on Twitter at CoreyAtad, uh, spelled with an E-Y. And yeah. Good times. Well, thank you again so much for coming on and introducing us to Dark Place. And uh, thank you, everybody else, for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Television.